lives. And now all who put their trust and faith in him are saved and eternally so. So I'd like to invite you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, to partake of the Lord's Supper together this morning. Paul reminded us, though, in 1 Corinthians 11 and verses 28 and 29, that that we're to examine ourselves prior to taking the bread and the cup, lest we have unconfessed sin in our lives. And I think it's appropriate that we pause, and, and there'll be a moment of silence as we examine our own hearts. So let's do that just for a moment, and then I will pray, and then I will read a passage of Scripture, and we'll take the bread together. Let's examine our own hearts for a moment in silent prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, we remember as the scriptures tell us and teach us and show us the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice, the willingness to be found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. We remember. And we examine our own hearts. Lord, help us to be quick to confess our sins before you and We come to this moment, and we don't take this lightly. This is so serious that we examine our own hearts, lest we have unconfessed sin, that we would confess them now before we celebrate the Lord's death for those sins. We're grateful that you've forgiven us. How blessed we are. And we praise you for this wonderful truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we eat the bread, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 24 says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now take that cup and peel back the the foil there so you can get to the juice. First Corinthians 11 and verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. As we remember, we thank you. We thank you for the Lord's sacrifice that he humbled himself before you and and even on the night of his betrayal said, not my will be done, but your will be done. We praise you that he submitted to your will being done. 
was crucified and died and then was buried and then rose from the dead on the third day. We praise you and thank you. We thank you for this solemn reminder this morning as we celebrate the Lord's death because it's in his death that we know life. We know life in Christ and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, take your copy of God's Word, would you? And let's turn together to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. D.L. Moody once said that happiness is caused by things that happen around me and circumstances will mar it. But joy flows right on through trouble. Joy flows on through the dark. Joy flows in the night as well as in the day. Joy flows all through persecution and opposition. It is an unceasing fountain bubbling up in the heart, a secret spring the world can't see and doesn't know anything about. Oswald Chambers said it this way, happiness depends on what happens, joy does not. Now, I want to know the joy of the Lord is my strength that way, that that though I might lose my happiness because of my circumstances, I don't lose my joy because of my circumstances. Because I know Jesus as my Savior. We just celebrated why we ought to be able to have joy as believers in Christ. I want to know the joy of the Lord is my strength that way. Don't you? I hope you do. Of course, true Christian joy is happiness. It's just not happiness the way the world defines it. That makes important this theme of joy as we began our study in this little letter to the church at Philippi a couple of Sundays ago, this little letter, Philippians. That makes important this theme of joy found throughout the letter which Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And, you know, Paul absolutely knew the difference between the world's idea of happiness and Christian joy. He is writing these words from captivity, after all, and yet his words overflow with joy. If you read this little letter, you can't help but see it and, and hear it and feel the joy coursing through his words. And I think that if we will follow Paul's example, we can know the same joy he knew. There's hope for us. He's not talking about something we can't have. He's talking about something we can have. So I want you to see what I see as four spiritual graces to pursue that lead to Paul's joy seen in verses 3 through 6. We're going to look at those verses in a moment, and I want you to be prepared in your copy of God's Word to follow along. I'll give you first those four spiritual graces that we ought to pursue. To know true joy as believers in Jesus, we're going to need, first of all, to pursue thankfulness thankfulness. It's an attitude of 
gratitude, so to speak, right? Second of all, we need to pursue persistent prayer. Thirdly, we need to pursue partnership in the gospel. And fourthly, we need to pursue confidence in Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at the passage. I want you to follow along in your Bible as I read, and I am reading from the English Standard Version. Verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now remember, as we noted two Sundays ago, that Paul wrote these words while imprisoned. And now you, I think if you were to go through this passage and take out any reference to his imprisonment, you might be surprised to learn that. If you took out the references to imprisonment and read it, you wouldn't get it from the text, would you? But he talks about it. The spirit of joy he shows here is incredible. These are not the words of a, a woe is me, sulking, angry prisoner, are they? Paul had learned that having joy didn't depend on his circumstances. Paul knew that being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ was going to lead to trouble at times. But he had learned that these troubles that he was experiencing and would experience could not steal his joy. I wonder if you and I have learned that. Have you learned that, that, that your circumstances, if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, your circumstances cannot steal your joy? So note the first spiritual grace that leads to true joy expressed by Paul. We see it in verse 3, pursue thankfulness. we got to pursue thankfulness. Look at verse 3 again. Paul found true joy by giving thanks to God. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Now, one of the keys to his thankfulness, even in the midst of difficulty, was that he had chosen to set his thinking on the needs of other people. That is key to our finding true joy. In spite of his present circumstances, he was thinking about the needs of the Philippian believers. He was concerned about them. And part of his concern, I think, was <laughs> that... He was concerned that they would be concerned for him because he was in prison. He is not feeling sorry for himself, is he? In fact, if you glance at Philippians chapter 2, you can turn to Philippians chapter 2, look at verses 1 through 3, you'll see Paul preaching here what he is practicing in, ver in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he preaches, but in chapter 1, he's showing, he's practicing what he's going to preach in chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's what he's doing as he says, I thank my God for you in every remembrance of you. Do you give thanks to God for the people around you? 
do you give thanks to God for the people around you that aren't nice to you? <laughs> it's easy to thank God for people who make your life a joy, yes? It's a little harder. It, maybe it's a lot harder to thank God for people who don't bring you joy, and don't bring happiness, and don't, you feel like they don't contribute to your life. I would argue with that, that they are contributing to your life. <laughs> you may not like it. Sometimes people that are hard to get along to, get along with, are contributing to your life more than you may realize it because God is using them to help you become more like Jesus. <laughs> it's hard to see things that way, isn't it? Give thanks to God for people in your life, even if there are people in your life who don't seem to make your life easier. In humility, count others more significant than yourself. That from chapter 2 in Paul's words, and there's no qualifier about, especially if they make your life better. <laughs> Where we lack true joy is when we fixate on our own problems. It's natural for us to do that, isn't it? We gathered yesterday to move leaves from the yard around the church. And I, before I came in, my shoes were all muddy. I noticed several other people took their shoes off before they came in the building because there were mud puddles out there because it had been raining all week. When I bent over to take my shoes off, I was like, oh, I can hardly reach my feet because I was in pain. So I was thinking about myself. <laughs> and when I went home, I took painkiller because I was thinking about myself. And I fed myself yesterday and I took care of myself yesterday because I was thinking about me. We naturally do that, don't we? We naturally lean toward making ourselves comfortable, but we don't naturally lean toward caring for the needs of people around us. And often when we get over-fixated on our own needs and forget about the fact that God has put people in our lives that have needs that we ought to care about, we can find ourselves, in fact, discouraged and lacking in joy and not know true joy, which only God can give and only God gives to those who stop thinking about their own needs all the time and begin to think about the needs of people around them. In fact, if you go back to verse 2, you see what God gives. Back in verse 2, a couple of weeks ago, we saw this, grace and peace from God. Do you realize God gives grace and peace to those who are, who are seeking to honor Him with the way that they live? And that includes putting the needs of others around you, often ahead of your own. Note that Paul wasn't only expressing his thankfulness to these believers, he's also making it clear that he's thanked God for them. You see, God is at work by bringing people in and out of your life. Paul thanks God for these believers. When he remembered them, he thanked God. I think an important key to our joy is to be thankful and especially be thankful for all the people He, he brings into our lives, even, even the ones that are hard to thank God for. 
Note too that Paul says in verse 3, I think, my God. Paul has a, a personal relationship, an intimate relationship with the one true God. Do you, do you sense that as you serve the Lord, that you have a relationship with the one true God, the one who is in control? Because Paul knew God's mercy and grace, and he knew about God's sovereignty, he knew who to thank. And that's an important ingredient to knowing, a very important ingredient to knowing true joy. Know who to thank. We're coming up quickly. This is Thanksgiving month, right? The, we celebrate Thanksgiving in November, and we begin to think about this more and more. You, you take note. There will be people in our culture who will be thankful but they're not quite sure who to thank. As believers, we know who to thank. We ought to thank God. That is a key to your joy. The world is searching for happiness, but without faith in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins that only God can give, which we celebrated again at the Lord's table this morning, True happiness, true joy will always be out of reach. But true joy ought to be an identifying characteristic of believers in Jesus Christ. They ought to know us by our joy. People who see us in and around this community ought to know us by our joy. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, because this is a great example of this. Colossians 3, verse 12, put on then, there's, we could sing to the work here, okay, <laughs> to the work. Put on then, <laughs> as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. This is the work that God has given us to do. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you don't forget <laughs> my words don't forget so you also must forgive and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and note this let this is verse 15 Colossians 3 verse 15 and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you have been called in one body, and be thankful. I would argue we could say, we could even say, let the joy of Christ rule in your hearts. This is the joy that only God can give to His people who are pursuing this kind of attitude and this kind of spiritual obedience. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, Meekness and patience, these things lead to joy. If you are God's child, He calls you today to consider the needs of others and be thankful for each other. When you do, God loves to give you the joy only He can give. Pursue thankfulness. Number two, pursue prayer. Pursue prayer. Paul found joy through prayer. Do you find joy through prayer? Or is it the last thing you think of? 
Often it's hard to find joy in prayer when it's the last thing we think of, isn't it? Look at verse 4 again. Paul was praying for the believers at Philippi, and he wasn't just praying for his favorites. He was praying for all of them, and he was praying for them often. It wasn't the last thing he thought of, and he wasn't just picking out his favorites to pray for. <laughs> he says in verse 4, always, look at it, verse 4, always in every prayer of mine for you all. He was praying for these believers in Philippi often, and he wasn't picking any favorites, which is a good reminder that there's no room for that in God's church, that we would pick our favorites to love, pick our favorites to thank God for, and pick our favorites to pray for. If we're going to be a church that truly loves God and loves people as God's Word commands us to, then we must take to heart the importance of loving and praying for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, even the ones who are not so easy to pray for. Now, if you forget that, if you fail to pray for each other or choose to pray only for those people you really like, then you are missing an important key to joy, true joy. A Johnny Erickson Tata. Do you know the name? She was paralyzed in a diving accident as a teenager. She knows much about suffering and difficulty, and I really appreciate what she writes about this. She writes of this privilege of praying for others this way, saying, like art, like music, like so many other disciplines, prayer can only be appreciated when you actually spend time in it. Spending time with the Master will elevate your thinking. The more you pray, the more will be revealed. You will understand. You will smile and nod your head as you identify with others who fight long battles and find great joy on their knees. She talks about the disciplines of music and art. Unlike music and art, which often is a talent, you don't need any talent to pray. <laughs> you don't have to even be good at it. The Lord Jesus Christ intercedes for you when you don't know how to pray. Get on your knees, even if you can't get on your knees physically. Get on your knees in your heart before God in prayer, often, always, over God's people. Begin here in this fellowship and then pray out from here about believers you know and for them. Paul was a man of prayer. He knew true joy because he faithfully prayed to God for other people's needs. He didn't allow his present difficulties to serve as an excuse for not serving the Lord in prayer this way. He saw his imprisonment as an opportunity to intercede with God over the needs of other people. What a powerful lesson that is for us. When prayer is absent, though, when we are failing to pray, when prayer is absent in your life as a believer in Jesus, true joy will also be absent. I think you can count on that. I, I look at times in my own life when I've lacked true joy, and often they're hand in hand with times when I was not praying. 
not humbling myself before God, asking for God's will to be done in my life and in the lives of people around me. But that believer who's praying without ceasing, practicing that spiritual discipline that we hear about in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, the, the memory verses, the, right, those short memory verses, pray without ceasing, and we like those. That believer who makes much of that praying about the needs of others, that believer will know the true joy that God gives His children when they obey Him and, and yield their lives before Him in prayer. You can see in Paul that his praying was a discipline he practiced. Verse 4 says, with great joy. It's a discipline he practiced with joy. And the reason for this joy is seen in verse 5, and it's the third spiritual grace to pursue which leads to true joy. This too is seen in Paul's example. Pursue partnership. Pursue partnership. Verse 5, look at verse 5 again. Paul found joy through partnership in the gospel with other believers. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, Paul knew true joy because of the partnership that he had with the Philippian believers in the gospel. And the word for this in Greek is the word that you might be familiar with it. It's koinonia, which sometimes we think of as, as fellowship. And with that idea, we often associate pleasant conversation and food with friends at church. <laughs> and it can include that. But it's not just that. Koinonia is far more than food and pleasant conversation with friends at church. That's really just the overflow of what we should really think of when we use the word or think of that word fellowship or koinonia. It's really a, a joint participation. It's a joint participation with other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The English Standard Version translated uh, translate that word as partnership. A joint participation or partnership in the gospel. Don't overlook that Paul's partnership with these Philippian believers was focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is important. That's very important. Paul and the believers at Philippi had been bound together by their common commitment to the gospel from that first day that he brought the gospel to them on his second missionary journey about 10 years earlier than this writing seen in Acts chapter 16. From that first day he brought the gospel to them, their partnership began around the gospel and continued through the sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And this is so important that we get this right for the sake of our joy, for one. For another reason, this is what we ought to be about about proclaiming the good news, the gospel. And if we aren't getting this right, we will lack joy. We're also going to lack unity. You see, we are here as a church for the sake of the gospel. We are bound together by our common commitment to the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ drives everything that we do. And might I add that it, it doesn't just drive 
Sunday school or Sunday morning worship or Sunday evening worship or Sunday evening prayer. You know what it also drives? It drives that ladies' fellowship time on Friday night. Those, those ladies got together to enjoy time together because of their partnership in the gospel. It also drove the workday that we had yesterday as we gathered not only to make this place look nice, but we want it to look nice for the sake of the gospel. Because we want people to hear about Jesus Christ and we want them to be saved. It's not just about coming together to accomplish good things. Although we do accomplish good things and we should want to, but we should want to because of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ should drive everything that we do. You see, God chooses to make us stronger together as a church than we can be as individual believers. It's why we need each other. In, in fact, it's one reason you need to be here. It's another reason you need to be here when you feel like you don't want to be here. Because often when you feel like you don't want to be here is when you especially need other believers. And God chooses, I mean, God could have chosen to make us strong and independent and we didn't need each other and we don't need a church, but it's not the way He did it. <laughs> and so let's yield to the way God designed us to need each other, to serve alongside one another, one another and partner around the gospel of Jesus Christ. By God's design, we accomplish more when we partner together around the gospel. By God's design, we begin to experience true joy when we do so, when we honor Him with our obedience that way, partnering together around the good news of Jesus Christ. So, I'll remind you, those first three spiritual graces which lead to true joy seen in Paul's example are thankfulness, prayer, partnership, and a fourth is seen in Paul's example is found in verse 6. Pursue confidence in Christ. Note I didn't just say pursue confidence. <laughs> pursue confidence in Christ. Look at verse 6 again. Where Paul says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Can you hear Paul's confidence? This doesn't sound like a man imprisoned, does it? And when you think of somebody who's imprisoned, we think of somebody who's humiliated, humbled, and without confidence. But that's not Paul, because his confidence isn't found in his circumstances. His confidence is found in something that God finished for him at the cross of Calvary with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's because this is not confidence in something he had done. His confidence is not found in what he was able to do. In fact, it's found in something it was impossible for him to do. Paul knew true joy because he was confident in what the Lord had finished and would continue to do and finish. Do you get that? The Lord had finished this at the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified for sinners, died, was buried, rose on the third day, 
that, that death for sinners, that conquering of sin and death and hell and the grave was finished at Calvary. But then he, be, he begins a new work when believers submit and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins to work in that believer's life toward a day when he is going to finish bringing them to full maturity in Christ. And Paul knew that God finishes what he starts. So learn from Paul that true joy is found in putting your confidence not in yourself, not in your own present circumstances, not in your own accomplishments, or even lack thereof. Learn to look to the Lord. Keep your confidence in what God has done. Again, we celebrated the Lord's Supper. We're, we're confident in what the Lord has done. And then as we trust Him with our lives, we know that He is working. His Word tells us so. By His Spirit and by His Word and through His church, He is working in us and through us. He is working in people around you. Look around this room and you'll see believers in whom God is working. And He will not be stopped. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, says God. He will not be stopped. God will accomplish and complete what He has started. Let me ask you, do not answer, but let me ask you, are you discouraged that you still sin? If you've trusted Jesus as Savior, you can be confident, as Paul was, that God is at work in you. Though you still fight the fight with sin. If you're fighting the fight, that's a sign that God is at work in you. If you're discouraged that you still sin, that's a sign that God is at work in you. And you can be confident, as Paul was, that God is at work in you and that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns for His own, He will finish that work in you. This passage is here for our confidence and our joy. Take it as such. Be encouraged. Confidence as a believer in Jesus leads to true joy. Not confidence in yourself or your own accomplishments. Or if you lack confidence because you feel like you've not accomplished anything, it's not based on that. It's based on what Jesus Christ has finished and is doing in you. See, this passage is here for our confidence in Christ because the Christian life is one that progresses and we need to understand this. It progresses over the long haul. It's often slow <laughs> to our timing and to what we want. I mean, we want full obedience and full maturity right now. And God's patient. <laughs> and He doesn't often work that way. I mean, we especially want full maturity in other people right now. <laughs> we look at the people around us. Why don't they grow up spiritually? Well, take a look at yourself for a moment. <laughs> And realize that God did not bring you to full spiritual maturity overnight. In fact, you're not there yet. You're not at full spiritual maturity this side of heaven. And yet we ought to 
take steps that way, right? Go to the work, <laughs> as we sang. The Christian life is one of many, many, many faith in God empowered steps of obedience. Sometimes they're little steps, sometimes they're big steps. But the Christian life is one of many, many, many steps of faith empowered obedience. Faith in God, confidence in God empowered steps of obedience. Do you want to know true joy? As a believer in Jesus, follow Paul's example here. Read this little letter of Philippians and follow Paul's example here. We see it in the pursuit of thankfulness, the pursuit of persistent prayer, pursuit of partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the pursuit of confidence in Jesus Christ. Think about those things and ask God for the joy that only He can give. Would you pray with me? Our precious Heavenly Father, we praise you for your goodness toward us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you for this, this passage and all these passages, but this, this thought that you will accomplish what you have started in us is, is something that ought to give us great hope and courage and confidence and joy. Lord, we want the joy of the Lord as our strength. This is not an easy life to live. These are trying times, and yet we have great reason for joy, a great reason for confidence and hope. Lord, may we see clearly how to humble ourselves before you, that you might lift us up, that you might encourage us, that you might give us your joy as our strength. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.